Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's important for us to have roots, you know, to have a physical space. Our business model was never to be an online retailer. Um, we always wanted to be community-led, community-centered. We wanted children to have access to us. We wanted to be tangible. And the online platform, there's so much competition. And that, I think, rem would remove us from our mission and our goals and intentions with the bookstore. And so out of, you know, of course, being in the pandemic, that was the only choice that we had at the time was to move to an online platform. So I'm really excited that like our work and our our impact gets to kind of materialize in this space because we actually can take up territory. And I think that's what we've always wanted to show is that we get to carve out space. We get to take up space. And this is the physical manifestation of that. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hello, everyone. In today's episode of Honey and Hustle, I am here with Victoria Scott Miller of Liberation Station and what will be our physical location in Raleigh. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Not that this beautiful plant haven you see her in right now is amazing, but, you know, we got to get the books to the people. Victoria, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Absolutely. This is the first full week of April. As we are filming this, and Victoria has been everywhere, I think people are very excited about what is to come in Raleigh, which is Raleigh's first children's-oriented bookstore. And, you know, she's been in articles in Afrotech, she's been on the radio, she's been on probably other news outlets that I'm not sure about. She has a partnership with Bulls of Durham to kind of crowdfund and crowdsource the creation of this incredible magical space. Victoria, tell me why you chose downtown Raleigh as a location for Liberation Station. Yeah, so we have been in business for four years, since 2019. We originally started as a pop-up shop, so we would have book, book event, sometimes from the trunk of our car, and we would go around the triangle. We've always lived in Raleigh. Um, at, well, not always, but we've, we moved here in 2016 from Hawaii, actually. That's where we were stationed. And of course, we have two young Black boys. And their home has always been a safe space, but society has not. And we felt that it was our responsibility. We intentionally chose the Fayetteville location because as soon as you come out of our building, we're facing the Capitol. And I think what that does for us is that it is a response to what may come in legislation regarding book banning. It allows us to keep our eyes focused on our mission, to never lose sight of it, 
So it was an intentional approach to choose that Fayetteville location. We wanted to be in the Capitol. We wanted to ensure that children in the Triangle and beyond had access to the narratives that might be removed from curriculum, from their school libraries, from their classrooms, and also create a space for their humanity, their joy, and their curiosity, which I think is so important, especially with our children at their tender age of seven and 12. This is the time for discovery. And so we wanted to make sure that they had accessibility to that unapologetically. Correct, correct. I mean, like, you said a lot in, in a couple minutes, and I do want to touch on a little bit of that when we think about, you know, the fact that as of right now, we are kind of depending on these Black-owned independent bookstores to be the resources, the hubs of books that children and adults may not have access to anymore Absolutely. through schools, through traditional school settings, and that it's not by accident, that it is very intentional, that their stories and their histories truthfully being told are being left out of their upbringing and their formative years and knowledge of self. And so like that's, you know, on some level for me, it's like, yes, I'm happy that you exist, but I'm also like, we need you to exist, which is another level of responsibility that really and truly like people like me as a business, not every business owner faces that, right? right? Right. Um, so talk to me a little bit about like, I know you wanted that physical space that's right there on Fayetteville, that's in Raleigh, that's like where decisions are being made. But talk to me about, okay, you went from a pop-up to a physical location. What kind of spurred that growth? Because if you started in 2019, not too long after the pandemic happened. So how do we right. come out of the pandemic into this? Yeah. So I think our work is, has, we've been shown that our work is impactful and that we didn't need like a lot of space. We were coming from a four foot table that eventually grew up to a six foot table. And now we're coming into 364 square feet of space. And I think what the pandemic showed us is that it's important for us to have roots, you know, to have a physical space. Our business model was never to be an online retailer. Um, we always wanted to be community-led, community-centered. We wanted children to have access to us. We wanted to be tangible. And the online platform, there's so much competition. And that, I think, rem would remove us from our mission and our goals and intentions with the bookstore. And so out of, you know, of course, being in the pandemic, that was the only choice that we had at the time was to move to an online platform. So I'm really excited that like our work and our our impact get to kind of materialize in this space because we actually can take up territory. And I think that's what we've always wanted to show is that we get to carve out space. We get to take up space. And this is the physical manifestation of that. Yeah, I think that what you're saying is like a thousand percent true, a thousand percent I agree with all of that and love that because I think again, you know, as we're seeing everywhere, it's like when Black people take up space, magical things happen, other people Absolutely. get empowered, and that's such like a, a collective process, right? So yeah. what you're doing isn't just for like you and your family to go in there, it's for everybody to, to go in there and visit. And it's also kind of at the antithesis of where a lot of businesses are moving. I think yes. right now there's this, I guess, desire 
to maybe yeah. like live this remote life and, you know, have an online based business and that be your primary source of income that kind of runs itself that you don't really have to maintain. Whereas right. a physical bookstore comes with a lot more responsibility, comes Absolutely. with a lot more overhead and requires your presence really and truly. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about like the online thing. Just, you know, it wasn't for you. What are some things that, you know, happen when you transition to being an online business? What are some things that you're looking forward to as you bring Liberation Station to a permanent space and not just a pop-up? Yeah. So the the online, it just felt so technical. It felt so capitalistic. It felt like our identity was kind of being removed and we were somehow like morphing into like this extension of Amazon. Because, of course, being like an online, you know, retailer, that also comes with like the demands and expectations that are set from those who are currently shopping online. So we would get orders and people will kind of expect like a one day turnaround. And it's like, well, that's never been our thing. We are not only I mean, not only are we parents, but we also were, you know, lovingly like wrapping each order like by hand as a family. So we have 40 orders in a day. We're sitting there time after time while also like nurturing our children, wrapping each book. When the pandemic hit, we, if you made a local order, we would bring it to your door. And that we had us going all over the city on Saturday morning. <laughs> but we just realized it stretched us in a way that I think minimized our ability to be present and authentic. And I know that when it came to getting the brick and mortar, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it, it requires your presence. And I think that's what children deserve is they deserve for someone to show up for them. And I think that physical space, that physical location gives us the opportunity to show up because you're not just seeing like, they, my husband called me like the unofficial like spokesperson of the, <laughs> of the bookstore. But what you get to see is you get to see a family unit. And I think that that is not often a healthy family unit. That's not often modeled in society. You can't show that online. But you can show that coming into a store and, you know, all in our dynamic hasn't really shifted from what we do. So I'm typically the one like interacting with customers. My husband is like, you know, with the children and like, as you know, reaching out for people like if they need additional help you see our children kind of stacking books all over the place so you get to see like this dynamic of a healthy black family that is building this this business to support other families and children and all types of family dynamics and I think that's going to be a powerful response especially being right there by the capitol to say that like we're not broken <laughs> and it exists and that it exists. Like sometimes we just need proof. We need to be able to see that it's possible and also to see that it exists. And I think we'll be able to do that being in that space. Yeah. One thing I would like to ask that I haven't really truly asked anybody. Sure. Um, and it's not that we haven't had other moms on the store. It's not that we haven't had other family businesses on, on the show. Um, yeah. It's not that we even haven't had another bookstore on the show, but I'm curious you know, you talk a lot about the role of the family and role your family is playing into this business and how that really is kind of intertwined. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure that people will feel that when they walk in. How is it for you? Like, how integral is it for you to have started this business as a mom? Like, how much different yeah. would it be 
had you started it as like a single person living in Raleigh? Yeah. You know, there's, there's this thing I say all the time. I say that it's one thing to raise your children, but it's another thing for your children to raise you. And our children have given us so much perspective, like in a way that I probably wouldn't have gotten, you know, as a person, you know, without children, you know, without they, they are, they keep you accountable. At least our children hold us accountable. We leave room for them to hold us accountable. We leave room for them to inspire you, uh, inspire, you know, us. I, one thing I realized is that like our children have shifted the way that I talk to my inner child too, which has been powerful because a lot of times, you know, I grew up with the, with the school of thought and I'm, I'm originally from Memphis and my husband's originally from Memphis too, Tennessee. And what I realized is like, we grew up in, you know, the Southern like black culture, you know, you don't correct me, you don't correct me. And so to be in a moment where we get to, our children have the room to say, you know, mom, like, can we, you know, can we find like different word? Can we find the language that forces us to search ourselves for the best possible version of who we are? And I think that's been a constant thing. It's just us correcting, being, allowing ourselves to be corrected, allowing ourselves to, our eyes to be open to possibility of of growing this business with our children alongside our children and them having the room to be able to make like really important decisions and I think that was that has moved us in such a way that I, I can't even I wouldn't have been able to do any other way this episode was recorded using Riverside Riverside is an incredible video recording and live streaming tool for video podcasters and video creators. With the ability to record videos up to 4K resolution, all participants have access to active local backups, which make poor internet connections and lagging audio a thing of the past. If you're ready to upgrade the audio and video quality of your show, please be sure to check out the link in the description to experience Riverside for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I find it very interesting that you're from Memphis, right? Yeah. I don't know if like... You and the current state representative time this, but there has been some preaching going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. About how we should show up for the students yeah. and our, and not just students, youth in our communities and not just the youth that come from us, all you, yeah. right? Absolutely. And again, I don't know. The timing sounds a little suspect. I won't, listen, I won't blow up your spot. It's, it's, but... <laughs> listen, it's divine. It is divine. Like I, you know, with that, that, that was, that was in, I mean, it's in the DNA, at least for me. Like, you can't, you know, we grew up with the Juicy J and Three Six Mafia. So you got to be ready to do something. Like, standing on the sidelines is, like, never really an option. And I've gotten some people say, you know, well, if you lived in Memphis, you know, why are you starting a place in Raleigh? And it's kind of like, well, we were a military family before we got here. You know, my husband was a nuclear, in the nuclear field on a submarine away from you know, our children for like the last seven years. So when it was time to go somewhere, you know, we put our finger on a map and said, wherever it lands, that's where we'll go. And we ended up in Raleigh. You know, we didn't call Raleigh. Raleigh called us. And we had no idea that it would manifest into what it had become. 
But I feel like we're often planted in places that need the most water and we're here doing the work mm. that I feel is necessary for the growth of a city and the growth of a people. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, again, the location, the reason why I asked that up front, because location is important, right? You could have gone anywhere. You know, you could have gone to Southeast Raleigh, right? You could have gone to Garner. You could have gone to any historically Black neighborhood. You could have gone, you know, I don't know, wherever you wanted to go. Really, right. truly. Right. There's no shortage of commercial space. People are dying to get people back in a storefront. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes, you know? absolutely. And and so it's so important to think about why here, why now, yeah. right? And for you, the timing just lined up and the location lined up for, you know, the type of experience that you want people to have. Okay. So deeper into Liberation Station, like what you have a lot planned right now mm -hmm. for this space uh, talk to me a little bit about how, when you started thinking about, okay, I know I want a physical space. I know I don't want to really rely on having an online presence in right. terms of sales yeah. and in terms of giving people a customer experience, because that's just not 100% it. You know, how did you start to map out what the store would look like, the mm -hmm. sections you would have in the store, yeah. and, and some of the content and the books that you're hoping to curate for customers? Right. So... Because it was such a small space, so 364 square feet is like not a lot of space. And so we were kind of up for the challenge of ensuring that we were able to utilize the space properly and that inside it told a story in itself. I think in the beginning, we only carried books that were written by Black authors and Black illustrators, but I don't necessarily know, you know, if that if there was able to tell our full story. And so when we came into a physical space, we said, what would be, what would give children and adults the opportunity to see a full picture? Because that was the whole objective of movement on Fayetteville Street, is that understanding that our children are living in a world of extremes and that access to these narratives that are being removed gives them an opportunity to make up their mind. So we knew that the work that we were doing was rooted in giving a full perspective so that they can have all of the information they need to decide for themselves. And so when we thought about the space, we said, well, where can we begin? You know, where, where does it make sense to begin, right? And so we wanted to bring authors and illustrators from, from the diaspora. And we wanted to begin with the transatlantic map because that told the beginning of our story here. And so we follow creators that follow the voyage of the transatlantic map. And then we go to America, where we explore the vastness of Black childhood. And we are having creators from Black-led publishing houses, small printing presses, Black illustrators, Black authors. And then we go to our AP African-American Studies section. And that is the most active component of our bookstore. Primarily because we are not only paying attention to legislation, so every time a book is banned or removed from curriculum, a library, a state, we are adding it to that particular section, but also we're working directly with Black educators from all across the country to include their book recommendations and what they're wanting to teach in their classrooms. So that will be our most like active space. And then our middle section will turn into the anchor section. And that is where we're going to be doing book pairing because we realized during the pandemic was spending so much concentrated time with our children that 
their narratives, like what they're being taught about themselves in comparison to what we were taught was like a really important conversation because it's sometimes vastly different. And we thought book pairings were going to be the bridge to those intergenerational conversations. And so you might pair All About Love with Bell Hooks with her children's book, Homemade Love. So these are two different concepts of how it feels to be loved and, you know, practice it, right? But you get it from an adult's perspective and then a child's perspective. Um, You might have Nicole Hannah-Jones' 1619 Project with her children's book, Born on the Water. You know, the the book pairings will be endless, but what it does is open up dialogue to really have a conversation with your children. You all can be reading books that have similar themes to be able to talk about those, kind of open up the door to those conversations. And I think that's what I'm looking for the most is to be able to see like, well, what came of it? When you took those two books home and y'all sat down and y'all read it, like what were the conversations that were happening at the dinner table? You know, what were the conversations that were happening on the couch or the bed? Like, what were y'all talking about? And I'm looking forward to hearing feedback on that. Yeah. And I think, like, those conversations are so important. I mean, that's what books yeah. are for, right? And we know why they're being banned. It's not a secret. Absolutely. Um, and I was actually very curious, like, what your plans were for a lot of the banned books. So I'm glad to hear that. Oh, yeah. um, and when I think, like, one of the biggest things about books, about teaching and it's not just sometimes you're asking for book recommendations you know based on what people would want to teach and it's not just about the book it's about what the book can allow them to present to the students right and and the train of thought that they can allow them to explore as they're in these formative years from primary school to even college and I think like that to me when it comes to banning books is what is the scary part because you're not even allowing people to see themselves in a way that you don't want them to be seen, right? which is right. very, very scary. You're very comfortable talking about, you know, the transatlantic slave trade, but you're not very comfortable talking about Black American contributions to America following Absolutely. that period of, of time. And that's problematic. Um, <laughs> and strategic. Yeah. And strategic. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think like the whole justification has been, oh, well, they're young. They don't they can't really handle it. They don't need to be exposed to that. But your bookstore is at the antithesis of that. They can understand it. Yeah. And there are books that are age appropriate for them, written by people who are who've been doing the work, who've been in the space for years. You know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, it's like the justification is that, you know, well, kids can't understand that they don't need to be exposed to this so early. You know, these are really heavy topics. We yeah. don't want to make anybody upset or make anybody uncomfortable. But I think that is the point. You know, yeah. you can't regulate people's emotions. That's not you the goal. Can. Yeah. You can't regulate people's reactions. That's not the goal is to give them a safe space to explore these things. Information. And, yes. And I don't know. I have multiple thoughts about why people don't want this to happen in schools, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's a whole. That's a whole nother segment. Yes, yes. I don't, and it requires probably something much bigger than a three hundred sixty-four square foot space to fit all the people <laughs> that need to have that conversation. But we're gonna try to get them in there over time. You know what I'm right. saying? Because it, you know what? It's because of the information. It's because of what we're talking about. You know, it does that. It does. It does. It does. Somebody is somebody is scoping on this conversation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So you are anxiously coming up to 
the opening of your space and yes. really preparing for that. Yeah. Um, how do you think that the conversations that you have from people everywhere, and I'm sure you're prepared for the good and the bad, like how are you mentally preparing for this next chapter of Liberation Station? You know, I think just reminding myself that it's necessary. I mean, I will say it's been a little overwhelming to think about the timing of it all. And I realized that, you know, this is like dangerous work. You know, I say that all the time, like, because you're going up against like a system and it's never, it was never our intention to, to do that. But we, but we realized like that it, that it was so necessary. And I think the biggest part is just really focusing on baby steps. So every little milestone that we, you know, like yesterday, for example, we went and picked out the wood, the oak wood for our shelving and our seating and our reception desk and all of that. And there was a, we got to do that as a family and just realizing like what our children are witnessing in this moment is that there was a void that needed to be filled for them, but it's also filling the need for a community and that they're a part of that. I don't think anybody ever sets out to make history like intentionally. And so they're also realizing that, you know, sometimes people are chosen for a particular ancestral assignment. And we are, we're here because of the whispers and the prayers and the thought and we're the manifestation of that so it's like we're not we're, we've never claimed to do this alone we won't be doing it alone like it is all community and ancestor led and we're just grateful to be here and I think that's what I've been doing more than anything just really sitting in gratitude and praying that we continue to remain obedient to the cause yeah that's beautiful. And I am 1000% rooting for your success. I cannot wait to go visit the store Thank in you. person. And for everybody watching and listening, Victoria Scott Miller, you did not hear it first, but you did hear it here that yes. <laughs> Liberation Station will be on Fayetteville Street in downtown Raleigh. And I can't wait for you guys to go experience what she is creating. I can't wait to have you. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.